As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and we have a full house with us along for the ride once again. So hello to Carl, Laurie and Andy. But as we record the pod on Thursday morning, we can bring you some breaking news actually. After a week of speculation, stories and dramatic developments, we can confirm that he's leaving. A figure with a seemingly steely belief in himself will point to his leadership at a time of crisis, but someone who no doubt divided opinion. Yes. Boris Johnson is resigning as the British Prime Minister. And Laurie Whitwell, there's huge doubt over Cristiano Ronaldo's future. Brilliant tee up that one, Ian. One of your best there. I love that. Couldn't see it coming, could you? Absolutely not. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, departure or or, uh, kind of carrying on of um, somebody that United care about is Cristiano Ronaldo. That became the main focus of discussion this week, didn't it? With the news um, over the weekend, broken by Duncan Castles at the Times and then uh, backed up by David Ornstein that... Um, he wanted to leave the club and he told the club that. That was the kind of key difference because David Ornstein had done a report uh, a sort of week or so before that in terms of George Mendes, Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, meeting with Chelsea, meeting with Todd Bowley, the the, uh, the owner of Chelsea, having conversations with Bayern Munich. At the time, it felt like, is this some kind of uh, power play to put a bit of pressure on Manchester United to sign players, perhaps even beneficial to Mendes or just sign any players um, to kind of give uh, Cristiano Ronaldo that belief that United were going to be able to challenge for some kind of silverware this season. Um, but as it transpires, it's a very serious matter in terms of uh, what Cristiano Ronaldo thinks about the club and where he wants to go. Um, and yeah, as we saw on Monday, didn't show up for training. Um, family reasons were cited, um, but there was a, an idea that he wasn't going to show up you know, on the Sunday beforehand, you know, we, we kind of got word on that um, and we, were, we, we knew that United weren't exactly sure even until... You know the sort of ten minutes before um, nine a.m., which is the time that I think every play has to be in. Um, they weren't sure whether he was going to show up or not. I, I managed to get to Carrington um, about half eight just to sort of see a few of the players arrive, but they'd been arriving since half seven. It's an earlier start time for them under Eric Ten Hag. Um, but yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't wasn't there, and he, he hasn't been there since. The big question is: is he, he going to show up on tour? Um, I know me, me and Carl had a chat yesterday where we've got slightly different opinions on it, so we can get into that in a little bit. But that's the big question. And really what happens now, I mean, I'd be 
fascinated to hear what you guys think in terms of whether you know United should try and keep him. There's an idea that actually they'd be open to selling him, you know, if the right offer came in. Um, but depending on the club as well, um, lots of questions really at the moment. Yeah, lots to get through, and we'll do that, of course, on the podcast. I need to point you in the direction of the Athletic at the minute because there's some brilliant writing on Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo's future on there. They've really led from the front, our writers, on that. David Ornstein and, and Laurie included, from Ronaldo being mentioned in talks with the Chelsea interim sporting director and owner and everything <laughs> else at Chelsea now, Todd Bowley, um, to obviously now communicating that he wants to leave Old Trafford. Andy, what do you make of it all? What do you think United should do? I think it's very difficult to keep a player if a player wants to leave and he's under contract with United. United said that he wasn't for sale, he was in the manager's plans. The timing is not good, but I think having Ronaldo is a blessing and a curse. Individually, he's been very, very good, but collectively, Manchester United have, have regressed as, as a team. And I'll always remember... Um, speaking to someone at the club on the day that he signed and that person basically said we had no idea of this and that was a person on the football side so he was completely thrown in and I think Ed Woodward drove it uh, he was the one who made the the numbers stack up sold the idea to uh, Joel Glazer and from a, a commercial perspective and a m- numbers perspective it did stack up but Manchester United had to rip up the the way that they planned to play last season and looking at it in hindsight, United finished second in the previous season and maybe we're onto something. And I feel reluctant to criticise Ronaldo because he provided the best moments of last season. Are you annoyed with him though, Andy? I think it's always about Ronaldo. I remember being in Milan in March 21, seeing very strong links between Ronaldo and Manchester United, properly checking it out and seeing that the source was probably a man called C. Ronaldo, who was in Turin at the time. And United said, we're absolutely not interested. Three months later, he signs for United. Was I excited when he signed, like most fans? Absolutely. So I feel I could argue it pretty strongly either way, whether to keep him, whether not to keep him. When you've got a personality as big as him at the club, far bigger than any other player, far bigger than any executive, far bigger than the manager that can bring problems as well. He makes his own rules up in terms of the the media he does, in terms of the people who brief on his behalf. Then again, if he's not happy about the recruitment so far or the state of Manchester United, I think that's a legitimate opinion as well. Should it be a surprise to United, Carl, given the sense that Ronaldo has been so wedded to the idea of playing in the Champions League? United aren't in it, of course, and add to that, obviously, the frustration that, that fans have got at the minute at the lack of... Um, of perceived transfer dealings or at least confirmed deals. Should should they be surprised that Ronaldo wants to go? I, I, this is another aspect to it, maybe. Uh, I don't think you can be too surprised by Ronaldo handing, well, I'm not going to say a transfer request, but essentially making it known that he he's looking elsewhere. But I do think the timing of it is incredibly unfortunate. I think, well, you know, Manchester. It, we've known Manchester United weren't going to finish in the Champions League since essentially March. Why? Why are we going through this process now? Or why? Why couldn't proper suitors and, and a proper plan be placed going into the transfer market, knowing you're going to have Cristiano Ronaldo versus going into the transfer market, knowing he's going to leave it two very different circumstances. So that's really uncomfortable. I imagine. I mean, Laurie and I had to talk about what's going to happen with this tour 
there are people all over the world who've probably bought tickets to this preseason tour under the assumption that Cristiano Ronaldo was going to turn up. Uh, and if he doesn't, that puts a lot of noises out, noises out of joint and makes Manchester United look very, very, very silly, I think. This is... I have similar feelings about this in the same way that Wayne Rooney did. You know, when Wayne Rooney uh, made it known that he wasn't impressed with the current calibre of his squad and wanted to move. And Alex Ferguson said he was quite surprised by everything that happened. Uh, but I didn't really forgive Rooney for that. I always went, well, no, you can't really be a club legend if you've tried leaving the club twice. Why, why should I respect you? And I think this is now the third time Cristiano Ronaldo has essentially said I'm done with Manchester United I want to go so I am I'm uneasy about the idea of Cristiano Ronaldo loving Manchester United and wanting to improve the standards of Manchester United because I'll very often Ronaldo is about Ronaldo and if he wants to if he wants to lower his wages to make himself more appealing to clubs in the Champions League that shows how much he values Manchester United which is not as much as we think he does yeah, I don't think you'll be alone in feeling like that, Carl, certainly. I mean, Laurie, in terms of in terms of sort of the fans' opinion of Ronaldo, obviously when he returned with Real Madrid after leaving the first time, he was given a hero's welcome. If he was to rock up when Manchester United take on Chelsea at Old Trafford in a blue shirt this season, it might be a very different scenario. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted on this. I, I don't know if... I think Chelsea might be a palatable option in terms of United <laughs> fans' eyes. And I think maybe, as Carl says... United fans have kind of moved past the point of seeing Ronaldo as this kind of, you know, idol that's totally affectionate towards the club. And that was the kind of romance of him coming back. You know, that that was what, you know, took his eye rather than Manchester City. I think it was, you know, probably a bit of opportunism, really. Um, and that, that, that's fine. You know, as Andy says, he gave us some great moments last season. I still think it was you know, pretty fun um, against Newcastle, you know, that day. Um, you know, Villarreal, Atalanta... So I don't, I don't mind all that. But at the same time, going to Chelsea from this point, I think United fans would be okay with it. I think they'd accept that, you know, get some money in. He doesn't want to be here. We can move on. There's no point keeping a player that doesn't want to be here. Um, I, I don't know, you're, you're kind of looking at me a little bit ruefully and thinking I'm, I'm giving him an, an easy pass there. But um, And I do think that the timing of it, that's the big question really at United. Why, why now? Is it because... Um, he's got an offer on the table, basically from Chelsea. You know, is that is that what's the uh, defining factor in 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 the chronology of this? Um, is it because he's sort of thought about the Champions League a bit more and actually, you know, couldn't um, couldn't stand not being in it? Is it because his salary is actually being cut now? You know, twenty five percent is the kind of general rule for United players if they're not in the Champions League, and we've had it confirmed that Ronaldo does have a a salary cut in his contract. Um, or, or is it that you know he's he kind of just been waiting until this very moment to have maximum impact? You know, United coming back for pre-season training, he was supposed to show up, and that was the that was a key moment for a lot of people because I was speaking to people on Sunday night saying there's, there's an idea that he's not going to show up here tomorrow, uh, and and they were saying no, surely you know his professionalism is you know uh, at the peak of what you could expect from a player. Um, that would be a, a sort of change from that, you know, as we say. There's family reasons that have been cited, but clearly the, the backdrop is this is this um, desire to leave Manchester United. So for him to not show up, I think, was quite a major moment. And I don't know how you then resolve it again. Um, as Carl's touched upon, you know, Wayne Rooney went public, didn't he? You know, and that ultimately got um, resolved and he stayed for a number of years uh, past that point. I would take a slight deviation in what Carl said about players wanting to leave 
just because sometimes, and in Rooney's case, you know, he felt that the club wasn't, you know, trying to achieve the best it could do. So what 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 are your options there? Stay and kind of just, you know, keep trying your best and, and telling people inside the club to do better, or actually, you know, go a bit more explosive and say, this is how I feel about the club. This is what you know needs to happen, and I'm, I'll leave if it doesn't. And I do think that element is at play with Ronaldo, where. He's had a season where he's seen what United as a club is is like, and he he feels that there's not enough um, perhaps uh, desire, commitment from from certain players, perhaps uh, in terms of the executive leadership. I think he's voiced that publicly um, that he feels like there's not enough direction from the club at times. So that if, if that's in his mind, and he's got to this point where he's thought, well, actually, I'd rather see what my options are elsewhere. I'm 37. I've only got, you know, well, he thinks three or four years left at the top level, which, listen, who are we to dispute when he's scored 24 goals last season? Um, but if he thinks that he wants to extract the most from it, you can see from a professional point of view. But you do have to then, yeah, detach yourself from this supposed romance and the idea that this return was somehow in his heart, you know, more than anything else. I think it probably was a, a calculated decision as much as anything. I think the Rooney example is a good one. United were champions in 2013. The club has changed so much since then. The way that fans behaved then was a really insightful indicator to fans. I, I can remember the dates clearly. August the 6th, 2013. Um, BBC Radio asked me to get some United fans who supported Wayne Rooney. I couldn't find one. Not one. Not a single person. He was gone. It was Chelsea. Do one. We're the champions. Get out of here. And yet fans are hypocrites because I was also in the away end at Swansea for the first game of the season and Wayne Rooney started warming up along the side. Half the United end cheered him. Half of them were a bit... He played well. He played really well. He was the best player by a distance in David Moyes' time at Manchester United. Within two or three games, fans were back singing Wayne Rooney. So if Ronaldo stayed, fans would sing his name. I sense a lot more apathy now. I think a lot of United fans are that browbeaten because the team have been so poor that they're just like, whatever, whatever. Give, give us something different. It's not about names. I think the most important person out of all this should be Eric Tanag. You're the manager. Do what you want to do. You bring in the players you want to bring in. If that means getting rid of all these huge names, so be it. United can't get any worse. We've tried to going down the route of bringing all these star names in. Half of them are never fit to play. The team have lost the last six away games. It's atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And we might get stories now showing players in the gym. Great. Show it on the pitch. We'll get these pre-season stories. I remember three years ago, last time Australia, will Paul Pogba get on the plane or not? Will he? Will he not? Will he not? Will he not? The soft stories. And as journalists, you report them because there's interest in them. And if you're a Thai United fan and you've paid a fortune, and those tickets are a fortune... You probably do want to see Cristiano Ronaldo because he's a massive draw. He's a huge, huge name. But that's a side issue in, in all of this. I think it needs to be resolved as quickly as possible. But then it's easy to say that. I, I think Frankie de Jong needs to be resolved as quickly as possible. But it's not just one person's decision. There's several different parties here. Yeah, we'll come on to Frankie de Jong later, definitely. But we, we need to get through all of this first. Um, you mentioned Ten Hag there, Andy. I think it's an interesting challenge for him. And it's going to open his eyes straight away to how big a challenge he's got ahead as well as a whole taking charge of Manchester United. Because essentially Monday morning when Laurie Whitwell is outside Carrington waiting to see if um, 
Ronaldo's Rolls-Royce arrives or not. Was it a Rolls-Royce, Laurie, you were looking for? It was a Rolls-Royce, but I got the uh, the make wrong in the piece that I wrote oh, okay. on Tuesday. <laughs> I got told by a subscriber, thank you for that. Um, the one that we saw, we think it was in Lisbon at Portugal's training ground, this, this leaked footage that we saw to show that he's still training and still in right. peak condition. Uh, I thought it was a Rolls-Royce Phantom. Okay. And, and it's a not it's not that it's a different kind of Rolls Royce. It's very very similar, but I can't quite remember the name. I'll come back to you. Uh, yeah, roller's a roller, isn't it? Uh, I don't suppose it really matters. But w- when all that's going on and all that circus, basically, that is Eric Ten Hag's first proper day, in essence, in charge of Manchester United on the training pitch because that was the day that all the senior international players were back on that pitch for the first time with the new manager. He's supposed to be getting to work and ingraining himself as the boss and getting to know people and beginning the, the the ideas that he wants to implement and the changes he wants to make. And everyone else around the world is talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and whether he'll turn up or not. It's a huge distraction, an unwelcome distraction, I'm sure. So from his perspective, part of me thinks that he wouldn't want him on the tour because that distraction then is only going to continue. And at the minute, it's a distraction which is going on beyond the realms of the training ground as much as possible. And obviously, if Ronaldo was there, it ends up then becoming a distraction that he has to manage on the training pitch every day as well and in the dressing room and everything else that comes with that. So I imagine he's probably thinking it might be easier for him if Ronaldo was not around. Now, I'm I'm presuming what he thinks a little bit here. But can you imagine, Carl, if Ronaldo is at training and is on that plane and is there on the pre-season tour and doesn't want to be there? I, I just think I can't see any way that that's not a problem for Eric Ten Hag to manage. It's a problem either way now. And we know from his interviews, you know, in Champions League duty at Ajax and during the league where he was pretty much linked to Manchester United every single week. When Eric Ten Hag doesn't like a question, he will tell you and say, I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk about the football. So good luck, Laurie. Good luck, Andy. Because one way or another, he's going to tell you that he doesn't want to talk about Ronaldo. He's going to have to talk about it, isn't he? There's no way on earth he can hold a press conference and not talk about Ronaldo. There are so many questions revolving that tour that I, I would not be surprised if very early on, one of the very first questions he, he will respond to is, I'm not going to talk about Ronaldo. And that even if he turns, even if Ronaldo's there and even Ronaldo's not, he will try and do that. I think all, everything we're about to see with Ten Hag at United is going to be very unusual for people that primarily watch Manchester United. We're going to, tactically, they're going to be a bit different. The, the way they do press conferences is going to be a bit different. You know, the style, you know, it's just going to be odd. And I can, I just got a feeling that first interview he gives on tour will be prickly because of this new Ronaldo situation. And he'll most likely go, can we talk about our new left back? Because he played a game because he wants to talk about tactics more, more, more than everything else. The position so. there, the position <laughs> they desperately needed. Um, <laughs> he, he will, he'll definitely try and say, he'll draw a line under it for sure. But you know, we'll be out there and, and he will get multiple questions from different people about it because it's such a huge story. It's, it's, he, he... The, the problem is there's so many different angles to it as well. It's not just like one question, will Ronaldo stay or go? There is yeah. so much more depth to it than that. Well, he banked on having Ronaldo as his centre forward, right? He'd had talks, positive talks, I think, with him where he felt that that was going to be the case. So this is a change for him. And as you say, it's the first day of pre-season training for the international players. It's kind of insulting that it's been overshadowed by Ronaldo saying, I'm going to take this away from you. I'm sure Eric Ten Hag had a really good week of training and, and we hear positive things about the way that he is commanding the players, getting in the mix on things. 
you know, coaching as much as managing um, with authority. So, you know, he's in a good mode, it feels like. And, and I think that is sustained, certainly. I think, you know, the players clearly will be talking about this kind of stuff, um, you know, what's going to happen with Ronaldo. But I think Ten Hag's done quite well to kind of move on from that and focus on the football at Carrington. But it is, aside from that, you know, it's this was his kind of first week and you think, Okay, he's got this thing to juggle with, which is kind of a pretty massive thing that that really does impact his team. If if you've got no Ronaldo, it, it totally changes the dynamic of that you know foot front line. Who does he play there? Do they try and get somebody else? I mean, these these are the kind of questions that you can naturally develop when we're over in tour. And I agree with you, Carl. Clearly, as we saw from his opening press conference, he doesn't suffer fools. He will give us one word answers if he wants, and he'll have no embarrassment about that. He's not going to kind of witter on like I do and just kind of. Keep, you know, going through words uh, ad nauseum, um, but I think it will be really interesting. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to know from you guys two questions. Kind of, do you think he'll go on tour? Um, I, I personally don't see how he could go on tour now. Um, and then also, should we sell him or should we keep him? And, and my opinion would be again, you know, sell him really if you can get a good offer, even from Chelsea. You know, fifteen million fine. If he doesn't want to be here, there's no point keeping a player that isn't necessarily exactly what you need as well you know in 37 if he was if he was 23 24 25 and instrumental to your team I think you persuade him and he still hasn't sorry just to finally I, I will let you answer those questions <laughs> did you just ask but, a question a minute ago yeah <laughs> I know, I know, sorry guys just finally he hasn't actually spoken to Eric Ten Hag yet this is like a crucial element to it like so it's not that he's told Eric Ten Hag he wants to go it's it's somebody else has communicated that to somebody else at Manchester United he hasn't had a face-to-face talk with Eric Ten Hag yet, and United are kind of thinking, well, maybe that could turn things around. I, I don't mean, know. that's remarkable. We talk about, you know, you, you can talk about wanting to improve standards and Ronaldo's professionalism, but essentially, this is a person who's not rocked up to work and has not told his boss, right? Because he doesn't think the company's doing the right thing. And if one of us didn't rock up for podcasting and didn't tell Ian or producer AD or producer Ollie. He would be furious, wouldn't he? Are, are you actually labelling me as the boss here, Carl? Thank well, you, mate. You asked the question. <laughs> um, there'd, there'd be hell to pay. You carry that authority, mate. <laughs> this is, we're essentially doing, we're talking about a man who's not turned up to work because he doesn't think the company's doing well. And I don't, unless you make some huge changes and possibly some drastic compromises, I don't think you can repair that relationship. And then you get into the question of, is Ronaldo in 2022 worth it? And I don't think he is. He's he's 37 years of age. He's going to be 38 partway through the season. Okay, he was your top goal scorer, but you scored 10 to 15, maybe 20 more goals last season in the Premier League without him. He's possibly the highest paid player in the Premier League if you you add on all the add-ons. And yeah, okay, maybe he's not going to get that 20%. Champions League bonus but he's still on high 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 level wages and he's not necessarily as integral to how your team plays like the other you know we know Mo Salah is now on a new contract that could possibly add £400,000 a week utterly integral to how Liverpool play and attack you take Salah out of the team he just doesn't really attack in the same way Kevin De Bruyne similar on around on around £400,000 a week you take Kevin De Bruyne out well City have David, you know Bernardo Silva so Blah, 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 blah. But you can understand. These are the... I don't he does, I don't think Ronaldo adds as much to Manchester United in the way the other players in the Premier League who are on similar wages do. I also think Ronaldo is such a player and at such an age that he drastically changes how you play. So you, Manchester United in 
2021, fast-moving attack, didn't really have a fixed point. Bruno Fernandes pinging balls forward and you had, you know, Marcus Rashford and others just running around the place. You know, you have that fantastic game against Leeds at the start of the season where he went, hang on, this is this is really cracking on. Oli Donna Solskjaer brought up Carlos Tevez, Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo of 07-08. And you went, oh, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to have that sort of free-flowing 4-3-3, score four goals at a time. And you can't do that when you've got a 30-something Cristiano Ronaldo because everything has to go through Cristiano Ronaldo. You have to deliver loads of crosses because he's good at the back post. You've got to make those little cuts to the near post because that's where he likes to attack. And when everything is going through him, you can't do it all. He's not the guy in, in that way. And yeah, okay. The Norwich hat trick and the Spurs game, but those were, there were also some bad games with Ronaldo up front, right? The, the 1 0 defeat against Everton, where he is not nice to a fan afterwards. I think, well, I'm going to be really mean here. If someone out there is wanting Cristiano Ronaldo, you should probably do the deal. Not just for tactical reasons and the, and the way the team plays better, but also you just save so much money in wages. Andy, I'll give you the final word on this. A lot of people on the football side at Manchester United would be relieved if Cristiano Ronaldo left the club. There you go. That's an Eric Ten Hag answer, that. I love it. <laughs> so that's that's a yes to kind of you both thinking he's, he should be sold, but do you, do you reckon he goes on tour? I'd be surprised if I saw him on the tour. I think you're going to be seeing stories about Thai fans being outraged that they've spent so much money not to see him. And I suspect he will leave because players who want to leave tend to leave. If you sign the biggest players in the world, you get a lot of baggage uh, with that. Stranger things have happened, though. And if he stayed and he started scoring, the fans will be right behind him. OK, of course, keep your eyes peeled to The Athletic for the very latest on this. Manchester United, as we speak, are in their final training session at Carrington before flying out on tour. So, of course, we'll have all the latest on that and if you're not a subscriber remember you can go to theathletic.com forward slash man united pod where you can subscribe to the athletic for just one pound a month for the first six months you get full access to all our great writing and our free versions of the athletics podcast as well that's theathletic.com forward slash man united pod sign up now This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oof, I need a drink or a <laughs> deep breath after that Ronaldo section. Um, one thing that Ronaldo does impact, which we've not spoken about yet, is incomings, both in terms of freeing up quite a lot of wages, potentially bringing in some transfer fee, but needing a replacement, of course, probably most pertinently. Carl, you've written quite a lot about this and speculated about the different figures who may be available to United to replace Ronaldo. What do you think? It is... 
there's quite a few options here. So the most obvious one is you go out and spend 60, 70, 80 million on a young, younger striker, someone in their mid-20s, and say, you know, Ten Hag, take your pick of all the strikers in Europe. Who do you want? You can have some of Ronaldo's wage money and a little bit of the transfer kitty and, and off you, you go. And then I think there are players out there. And can United do this now, in your opinion? At this point, I'm not sure. This is that's what I mean. What, what can they do now? That's the most obvious way to do it. I'm not sure if they can do it because we we, uh, we are still TBC on uh, how much money Manchester United have to spend in this transfer window. Uh, I think until the Frankie the Young situation resolves itself, that's going to be really really hard to do. Uh, and also, I think Ten Hag and Ten Hag's idea of a striker, while fluid. The four or five people, players, I think, in Europe who can, you know, join up this preseason, start the first game of the Premier League against Brighton and score 20 goals a season. I think anyone that Ten Hag might think, oh, that's good, will cost 65 million minimum. And that's really difficult. So then you go, okay, does Ten Hag do what a number of Manchester United managers do, which is get a a short-term fix of one of the players who's in their 30s, you know. Jose Mourinho had Ibrahimovic, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had Cavani. Do you just go and get that short-term veteran? That one... Okay, probably a bit cheaper, but then you're still in the same situation you are with Cristiano Ronaldo, where you've got a player who probably wants to leave. Getting rid of yeah. one, one age investment. And bring another. another one, yeah. And then you've got <laughs> what, again, if Cristiano Ronaldo is going to leave, I think the more likely thing to happen is Ten Hag not going out and buying a number nine, but going out and buying a different uh, attacking midfielder it's sort, of, sort of a wide player so we know Manchester United are interested in Anthony uh, I've, I've talked to Laurie about that I think Anthony uh, at Ajax has, has got a massive price point which makes that difficult but there's someone in Europe who can be affordable in that sort of thing so I think those are your options you either replace him with a young striker replace him with an old striker replace him with a with a winger and then maybe have another go of Anthony Martial as the number 9 or Marcus Rashford as the number 9 or, I mean, there's a horrible, horrible part of me that thinks I'm going to be mean here. If Ed Woodward was still in charge, I wouldn't have been surprised if United tried to get Pablo Diablo. Diabala, even. <laughs> Him as well. Paulo. Quite a front two, that. Pablo. Paolo. Paolo. Yeah, Pablo. Pablo Paulo. <laughs> He's twin, see? So not even the good version. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> United probably would end up signing his twin. I, I could- <laughs> I can hear people screaming about Frankie at this point, but I'm just going to do this as a final point with you, Laurie, if I can, on this situation. You've written about Lissandro Martinez, of course, a centre-half who United appear to be in talks with and have made a bid for as well. Anthony has also been mentioned. He seems at the moment maybe the most plausible replacement for Ronaldo, but as Carl mentioned there, there seems to be quite a big difference between what Manchester United want to pay and what Ajax actually want. What's the exact situation with that as you understand it? Yeah, as I understand it, um, Eric and I clearly... Uh, rates Anthony, you know, he's obviously dipped into the players that he knows well from Dutch football, from Ajax, um, in terms of who United have been chasing. And somebody was telling me that that's because, you know, clearly, maybe it doesn't take a, a genius to work this out, but, you know, these players know how he likes his teams to play. Um, he knows he can trust them. Um, they've come through hardship with him. So that, that's why he's kind of making a particular push and United are trying to back him in that way, um, which is another debate, I suppose, we can have another day. But um, yeah, Anthony is someone that he really likes. But as Carl mentioned, I think the price from um, that the, the, the Ajax are demanding is way past what United would be willing to go to. They've had conversations. I'm told there hasn't actually been a proper bid put in by Manchester United, but clearly they're having 
communication over Lissandro Martinez, who they have put a bid in for. Um, so as a part of those conversations, I'm sure they've been having a debate about how much would it take to get Anthony over. Um, at the moment, it seems like it's going to be, you know, 80 million euros or something crazy like that. Um, and I just don't think United have got anywhere near that kind of finance when you've got Frankie de Jong as the main sort of target who I think Eric Ten Hag feels can transform his midfield and make it really click. So, yeah, I don't know if Ronaldo does go, who do you get in? Um, you know, I would be interested to know what, what other people think, but um, I mean, there's, there's a few, isn't there? Dybala's obviously on a free. And as Carl says, I think that would be one <laughs> that you kind of go, let, let's just leave that there. It, it kind of harks back to those kind of historical signings that kind of feel nice and glitzy, but in reality don't really do all that much. Um, I, I, I've, you know, biased here, but Jamie Vardy is just one and you can shoot me down here by saying he's 35, you're replacing a 37-year-old with a 35-year-old, you've got your head in your hands um, but listen, he's got one year left at Leicester. I'm sure you could get him for a fairly reasonable fee. He'd be happy at being rotated. That's the difference. That's what I'm telling you. He wouldn't be as uh, you know demanding as, as starting every week. But listen, I can see you smiling. So maybe that that's best left in the draw. I'm going to move it on. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about Frankie Diong. Wow. Um, let's still talk about Frankie Diong. Um, and there seems to be something new and slightly different every week with this as well. Uh, Dermot Corrigan's got an article on The Athletic right now about Barcelona's financial situation. Their president, Joan Laporta, has said that they have no intention of selling Frankie de Jong, which we know to not be exactly true, um, maybe, unless the positions change, which you never know with these sort of things. But they certainly need money still. That's not changed, even though some have done uh, some interesting financial deals, uh, which Dermot lists in that article as well. But United are still after him. There's been some interesting stories in Marker as well, Andy, about the idea that De Jong is actually technically old wages because he's taken a temporary pay cut to help Barcelona through their financial situation. And they report that he wants some of that money back. What do you understand the latest <laughs> on this to be? Where's Marker based? Yeah. Madrid. Marker's not the go-to for Football Club Barcelona. For Real Madrid, you go to Marker. Yeah, so the mischief making them. It's true that um, several Barcelona players were asked to either take a pay cut or to pay take a, a, a deferment on their wages, including Frankie de Jong. It became a huge issue and one which led to Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. There's loads of good detail in Dermot's piece on the finances of Barcelona. Uh, Juan Laporta said that he's not for sale. I think he said that on... Monday, he probably said something completely different to that on Tuesday. I first met Juan Laporta in 1998 when he was part of a fan activist group called the Blue Elephant and he got in touch with Manchester United fans to see how Manchester United fans were working. So he's a populist. Uh, I don't think he's got a long-term plan for Barcelona and they're a club with significant financial issues there's lots of people who are party to this and I've been speaking to lots of people uh, I think the club want to sell him because they need the money I think the manager Xavi would be perfectly happy to keep him I think the player would be perfectly happy to stay in Barcelona similarities with the Fabregas situation I think United have been told that Barca would be willing to sell him. There's been several meetings. I know for a fact there's been several meetings. I know where they happened and when they happened and who and who between. And a couple of bids have gone in from United. But that's bids to the club. That's not bids to the player. 
that's the saying to the club, would you be accepting this amount of money? And the club's saying, yeah. Now the player can turn around and say, wait a minute, I signed a contract with you. I'm contracted here and you owe me a lot of money as well in deferred payments. So th there are these issues to resolve. That's why it's taking time. I think it will continue to take time. I would expect that Eric Ten Hag and Frankie de Jong have had conversations just as David Moyes and Cesc Fabregas had conversations. And at the time, neither party was saying that they were having conversations, but they absolutely were because they're human and they need to find out what their futures are. At the moment, he's a Barcelona player. He'll probably go on tour with Barca and this will run and run. I think Barca are um, the posturing. We're Barcelona. We don't need to sell anybody. We're in a great position. We're in a great shape. We're going to build the best stadium in the world. We're going to make Barca great again. I think the talk is slightly cheaper than it would have been uh, before Barca were in this situation. Yeah, when you listen to your answer there, Andy, and read Dermot's article, there seems to be a disconnect between the reality and the stories of Robert Lewandowski, Rafinha, Bernardo Silva, etc., etc., etc. And actually being at a point where they, they, they sort of need to sell players to get players off the wage bill. The wage bill is far higher than it needs to be and they stand to lose a lot of money again this year if, if things don't change and then they have the same problem next year all over again. So there certainly seems to be a, a pressure point that United can push on but so far that's not actually provided the breakthrough. Laurie, how long is this going to rumble on? It feels like Wesley Snyder all over again, doesn't it? It's become a saga now. Oh, it is, it's a saga, isn't it? Which it, it, Jaden Sancho all over again. Um, yeah, it's it's well, Nicholas Gaetano, though, yeah. I suppose. Oh, yeah. Gaetano. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it, I had to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking to people sort of last week, I was sort of saying, yeah, is there any chance he, he comes on? Yeah, could, could you suddenly get a breakthrough and he comes on tour? And very much it was like, mm, that is unlikely. Um, the Australia leg, you know, that starts um, in, I think, July the... Uh, 14th, 15th, we go over there. So that's, you know, perhaps a bit more time, but I, I don't know. I, I could well envisage this situation going on to the end of the summer transfer window because you've got to... No, no, we're not going to have to do it every week, are well, we? So the, the difference, so I think Barcelona, there was this idea that oh, June man. the 30th was going to be this sort of big um, sort of deadline because Barcelona had to get finances in for that financial year. In the end, they managed to sell those sort of two different... Um, aspects of their business model in terms of merchandise in terms of broadcasting so they've, they've sold a chunk of that ahead of time to get a bit of financing now so that apparently you know alleviates some of the immediate financial pressure um, but then there's this you know aspect of the contract where Frankie de Jong is kind of you know justifiably saying well I deferred this payment so that you could you know have a more um, kind of an easier ride um, when you're having such, such financial difficulties you know, I'll have that money back before I go to Manchester United. That that seems to be the crux of, of the main issue at the moment. Um, I mean, as Dermot says, um, I think it was, you know, a salary was originally 14 million euros a year and it's down to 3 million euros for, for this sort of deferred period. So it's, it's a lot of money you're talking about. Now, Barcelona might say, well, that's up to United. If you want the player, you, you know, you can pay him this extra bit of money and there we go. Um, you know, I think United justifiably are saying, well, no, there's an agreement that you struck with your player, you should pay it. You know, if if they were, um, you know, funded by a sovereign wealth fund, then maybe they could just go, yep, yeah, I'll clip my fingers and, and we'll pay the money, want the player, because obviously a value to having him in the building and having a manager have the player that he wants and the, the teammates feeling confident in, in the way the club is going. But um, at the same time, that's not how United are run. So, 
yeah, you, you're scrunching your face, but mate, I do, I do think it could go on and on. Yeah, it's just the fact that we're going to have to talk about it on every single podcast <laughs> from now until the end of the transfer window. And I suppose there's still that little speck of like chance that we'll still be talking about it in January because uh, that has happened before. Oh, I think God. I'd rather talk about Donny van der Beek and whether he fits with <laughs> Everton Hag's new midfield over and over again. Um, that's the churn, isn't it? That's the life, I suppose. <laughs> Andy, can you offer any sort of hope? You've been quite measured on this in the past and I think a lot of the response that we've had has been that your calmness has, has sort of eased the concerns of Manchester United fans on the podcast since we started on June. But even you must be getting slightly concerned that this might not actually happen. It might not happen and people want definitive answers, especially around transfers. I was in Denmark at the weekend and a, a man just put a camera in front of my face and said, you're live streaming. Yes or no, is is, is Frankie de Jong coming? Yes or no? Just a yes or no, no ifs or buts. And wow. Doesn't work like that, does it? Doesn't work like that. It absolutely doesn't work like that. There's so many complications to it. Um, Barca want a lot of players in. Their fans want a lot of players in. Barcelona is extremely attractive to footballers, including Manchester United footballers. That's maybe their biggest selling point. Moving players on is difficult because it's extremely attractive to footballers. So pressure would have to be applied from the board um, to the manager, to the sporting director, to the player to say, look, you're probably not going to figure as much as possible. Barcelona brought another midfielder in this week. They've got too many midfield players now. Something's got to give. Is it right that they can't actually register Frank Kessie to play in La Liga until they actually get rid of some footballers? Andreas Christensen's joined as well in a similar scenario. The financial fair play rules in Spain are really strict and I think that's a good thing. And that's why La Liga is constantly having a go at Manchester City and Chelsea for the way that they are funded and owned. And Spain has become less attractive um, from when David Beckham went. There was a tax law called the Beckham Law the tax rates in Spain now are really high. They're far higher than in, in the UK. So, Frankie, cut your tax bill, mate. Go and live in in England. <laughs> I've been joking online saying that Manchester has many virtues, etc., etc. I think it could just go on and on and on. And it goes back to what Ferguson said, the hardest players to get are often the ones most worthwhile. If you can just sign a player easily, like Ronaldo last year, like Falcao, them sort of signings, then... Did he always work out? So, again, give it to Ten Hag. If you want some optimism and balance, I'm hearing really good things about him on the training ground. He's continuing to build up a team uh, with new players and he will continue to build up more people around him as well. So, from that perspective, we could have a decent pre-season. But what does that mean? If Van Aal had the perfect pre-season, beat Real Madrid 4-1, then lost the opening home game, at home to Swansea. So it's this circus that's going on and on. And we're part of that as well. Because I try to escape from football for a couple of weeks. I try to write non-football stuff for a couple of weeks. I went to, to the Tour de France. And, and we, we, you know, we joke about the things that have gone on. But if any of us writes a Man United transfer story, it goes absolutely mental. And it's completely crazy. And I got a call Saturday night. Um, Sky, will you come on talk about Ronaldo? And you're just like, well... This is what I do. This is this is my job. I make money from that. You know, I'm paid to do that sort of stuff. So we're all part of this as well. And fans get really frustrated, but fans also drive it because they're the one buying into these stories more than any other type of journalism that any of us do. Tune in next week for the latest on Frankie De Jong <laughs> and the week after, <laughs> and probably the week after that. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, let's talk about something that has happened then. Manchester United have signed uh, Tyrrell Malassia. And, and to add to that, Carl, as well, it sounds like Christian Eriksen is on the verge of joining too. It's just a medical, it sounds like, that's holding things up and finalising the contract as well. You've written a lot about how you see him fitting in at United um, and how you see him working with Bruno Fernandes, who seems the obvious sort of issue maybe sliding those two in alongside each other. How optimistic are you that Ericsson would be a good signing? I am growing in confidence by the week. So the initial piece, when we just heard there was interest in Ericsson, I thought, oh, okay, well, kind of makes sense. Decent backup for, for Bruno Fernandes, can play on the left-hand side, will help replace some of the creativity lost from Paul Pogba and that'd be that. Now to Tyrell Malassi has come in, we're hearing obviously this prolonged Frank the Young saga, Laurie's talked about interest in Anthony and interest in Lissandro Martinez. I am beginning to think Christian Eriksen might play in deeper midfield for Manchester United. Really? I was talking to some Manchester United fans the other day and one of them, this Wade, made a very good point that this Ten Hag at Manchester United is a bit like Sarri when he got to Chelsea. So we are going to have... He's our Jorginho then, is he? Possibly. Eric, so if you think, you know, Ericsson as the Jorginho and Frankie de Jong as the Kovovic. So one player to be the passing metronome from deep in one to be a press resistant dribbler and carry the ball from one penalty area to the other. Now, you know, Sari finished third in his season at Chelsea. There was a lot of huff and puff about whether or not that, that style of football worked. Uh, they did win the Europa League. Uh, and eventually he left because he, he essentially didn't get on well with the fan base. But the, he couldn't substitute goalkeepers either, could he? Indeed. But the more I look at the names Manchester United are being properly linked to, the more I'm beginning to think Ten Hag wants to do a sort of wholesale reboot of how Manchester United play. And you know, part of me goes, "Why are you looking at Lissandro Martinez? That's a five foot nine centre back when you've got Harry Maguire already in left centre back position." Ten Hag probably wants that defence to work in a completely different manner. Why are you bring Christian Eriksen in when you've got Bruno Fernandes and Donny van der Beek? And, you know, Jaden Sancho can do a job in central attacking midfield as well. Maybe you want someone who can pass the ball from deep and slow things down. Because one of the big problems with United during most of the last season was they were playing 100 miles an hour. You could see Pogba and Bruno Fernandes go, just keep the ball. And the amount of players that are good at keeping the ball at United are minuscule. Eriksen can do that very well. So, 
if everyone goes through the door that we think goes through the door, I am slowly preparing to write about what a Frankie De Jong, Christian Eriksen pivot in a four-two-three-one looks like. Interesting. Yeah, that that's one of the great things about this preseason, isn't it? And unfortunately, we've had quite a few of these preseasons uh, in recent times of looking at what a new manager is going to do, how he's going to use essentially a lot of the same footballers in new and different ways. That's part of the intrigue that that Laurie and Andy have got flying out to the other side of the world to have a look at firsthand, and we'll be tuning in, I'm sure, whatever time of day it is, to see exactly what Eric Ten Hag has got in mind as well. Let's talk about the tour. Laurie, Andy, when you set to leave, Sunday, is it for both of you? I'm Saturday, Ian. Um, Saturday, because, right. Yeah, uh, the team... Because and... you're not going via Jeddah and Islamabad. No, I... I've, so you can get there a lot quicker. I, I've given myself a little bit of extra room. Uh, Andy's got a, a much more... Uh, I don't know, hold on to your seatbelts kind of uh, <laughs> ride, I think. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I'm going to a Strokes gig in Lytham on Friday, which is the day that the team fly out and the rest of the reporters fly out. Um, but, um, you know, I, I like my music, so uh, I'm flying out on the Saturday. Nothing can, can get in the way of the Strokes in Lytham. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Big, big gig, big gig. Um, so <laughs> fly out uh, on Saturday uh, via Doha uh, and get to Bangkok at one ten local time, which is... Um, I guess it's that like early hours, um, UK time. Um, and then hopefully speak to Eric Ten Hag and, and see the open training session on the Monday and then the matches on the Tuesday. But Andy, much more exotic, exciting version of events there, haven't you, Andy? You talked about the time zones there. I think Andy set himself the task of being in every single time zone between <laughs> here and Bangkok or Barcelona and Bangkok, I should say. Is that right, Andy? Did it, Jeddah and Islamabad, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I set off on Saturday probably going to meet United fans in in both of those places uh, I watched I've been at Saudi once before I watched United play a game there in 2008 when we were told you're absolutely not welcome to visit this country <laughs> things have changed a little bit now and then I get to uh, Bangkok on the on the day to match it's a shame there won't be anything like as many United fans on the tour as in past tours who are traveling that's because travel's really expensive and complicated at the moment the the Covid cloud is still lifting as well but I know some United fans who plan to run a bus in from Pattaya to the game and you know the, it's it's there's so few people going there but the, the game did sell out against Liverpool it is Manchester United against Liverpool I hope United do better than when last played Liverpool and conceded four in Michigan 2018 all the time before time before I like these tours I've been doing them a long time I've been doing them for 30 years and you, I like seeing you get you get to see the world it's going to be really busy for, for Laurie and I and you know, a lot of people have got in touch can you go out for a few beers it's, it's impossible we've only got a few days in each place and do actually have to do a thing called work which pays us a thing called money oh yeah With that money like I'll then pay for my kids to have childcare while I'm away from them for a couple of weeks but looking forward to it I think there's been a huge number of changes at Manchester United in the last couple of years not just with the playing staff that we all see but behind the scenes as well and new start in some respects uh, new manager that's always interesting as well we saw David Moyes when he went to Australia he just became manager and was overwhelmed by it he said to the players let's go on the beach and the security are like no no you're Man United you can't just go on the beach no we did this at Everton you, well he did he went on the beach and it was a, it was a complete disaster because United's players were totally overwhelmed I spoke to someone in Melbourne yesterday where we're spending most of our time 
I said it is midwinter. Bring a, I said, should I bring a coat, a big coat? <laughs> so there's a lot of that going Thanks, on. Andy. And then Perth, where <laughs> United, yeah, take my tip there. Perth, United played. Weather's well, looking up in Manchester next week. I was thinking shorts and t-shirts myself. I'm sure you'll yeah. be getting your m- massive violins out and feeling really sorry <laughs> for us as we're getting all around to these these places. Carl, you had a question about the tour as well from one of our listeners. Yes, I got an Instagram message from uh, Mr. Adrian Payne who says, "Good day, Carl." I'm a big fan of the podcast. My son is about to go to his first United game when United played Melbourne Victory on the 14th of July at the G. His son is seven years of age and has flirted with supporting Liverpool, but he's explained that that's not an option. I want to know if there are any tips from the podcast to make his son's first Manchester United game special. Yeah, I'll give him a really good tip. Don't go to the G on the 14th of July because the game's on the 15th of July. I'll <laughs> do it. Cheers. <laughs> uh, if I, I really hope I'm right in saying that because all my flights are down for the 15th of July. Um, the, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, as he knows, one of the great stadiums in world football. Just enjoy it. Just soak it all in and get to the ground early. Look at all the different United fans. Maybe try and watch the team arrive. Um, just, just, Just enjoy the whole thing. It's... Manchester United are a huge sporting institution and can fill stadiums around the world. There's very few clubs who can do that of any code. And I just 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 enjoy it and, and take a coat. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the weird thing for me is that across the last 12 months, if I've seen any child of that sort of age at Old Trafford, the first thing that they've done when they've got inside the ground has been to sue on, vi- on their mum or dad's <laughs> phone uh, with their number seven Ronaldo shirt on. So... At this precise moment, Adrian, I probably wouldn't recommend your son to do that. Um, although if there are developments between now and then and Ronaldo does end up on the tour and commits his future to Manchester United, then let your lad go for it, certainly. Laurie, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, I think just enjoy it. It's fantastic that these kind of um, you know circumstances can happen. You know, this is what a pre-season tour is all about. This is why United go to these kind of places to make sure that fans all over the globe can see the players firsthand. Um, I know that's a bit wishy-washy and no specific uh, tips there, um, I, but just enjoy it. Take pictures, um, get there early, you know, make sure you can kind of enjoy the build-up to the game as well. Yeah, um, You might be able to learn and, and, some yeah. songs about Liverpool and Scousers at that point as well, maybe, that could help his indoctrination <laughs> to the Manchester United supporting camp. Absolutely. You need a bit of edge, don't you? I, mean, I think even even being in Thailand and Bangkok, I think there'll still be a bit of needle for United-Liverpool, won't there? And then even on to... Palace and Villa, you know, t- teams that have beaten United recent last season, even um, a bit of oh yeah, b- bit of spice to those two, I suppose as well. Be interesting to see if there's more Liverpool or United fans in in Melbourne. I've seen a resurgence of Liverpool. I really have, and I think there were slightly more Liverpool fans in Chicago, in Michigan. Sorry, when the two teams uh, last met, definitely learned some songs against Scousers. A couple of years ago, I put my daughters onto Twitter singing, have you ever seen the Scousers win the league? And it went completely viral. But I dragged one of the mates in, so I had these three little girls singing, have you ever seen the Scousers win the league? And obviously you can't see that now because they won it when the grounds were, were closed. Sure. But uh, the little girl who dragged in the mate of theirs was like, has my daughter been on the internet today? Thinking, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't... I can't uh... I can't think how happy they would have been at their daughter's first starring role on the internet, Andy. Uh, Right, I should say at this point then, safe travels to both of you. Enjoy the trip. We'll be back on Talk of the Devils 
next week after that Liverpool game. Hopefully we've got some more updates on the transfer situation to bring you. Hopefully we can reflect on a positive performance and result in Eric Ten Hag's first match in charge as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But Carl, Laurie, Andy, thank you for being with us. Thank you at home for listening as well. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.